0: Welcome, welcome this morning. Uh, So good to see you here. Uh, My name is Chris. I am the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. Uh, And as Alex said, we are one church, multiple locations. We have our main campus with our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff and Keller. We have our Hazlick campus, which is kind of west of Keller, north Fort Worth area, and then you're here with us right here in McKinney. And I'm thrilled that you've joined us. Uh, As he said, we're so honored. Every weekend, it's someone's first time. And uh, if I hadn't had a chance to already meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service. So thank you so much for joining us. We're continuing in our series uh, called Seeds. And really, this is birthed out of a heart I have for you. I want to see you grow. Our heart, our passion for you is to grow, and we've been looking at this idea, this concept of seeds, and what that means, the principle of seed, and what that looks like, starting in Genesis all the way through the Bible, but I I want you to know that this isn't just something that we value for you in this room, this is something that we do as uh, families, and we do it together. We believe you don't have to wait to be great, and so I was so thrilled, I think it was either last week or the week uh, prior to... I saw our kids leaving. Monster and kids had placemats with a lot of these scriptures and these points. Uh, Down basically Jesus on their level uh, for them And uh, there were door hangers for the older kids They're taking home, why? Because we want them going on this journey with you As you're going on this journey Uh, We've even uh, really dialed into this Even with our young adults We've had more and more young adults in attendance here And you may be in here saying I remember when I was a young adult I wish they had something like this for me when I was a young adult I promise you, if you were at the Milestone Young Adults event uh, this past Friday, you missed out. You want to be there, and uh, Alex and there are a few young adults that met up here, and they kind of caravan down to our Keller campus, and uh, it was just an amazing night. Young adults, some were uh, married, you know, because, I mean, some of you young adults, y'all are married. Y'all get married young, you know what I'm saying? And so, some were married, some weren't. They were there, and it was just an amazing time. Pastor Tyron Caswell, who's over our next gen. He was leading that, so this is something we'll do once a month and probably meet up here at the campus and head down to our Keller campus. It's just an amazing time for all the campuses to come together. It was an incredible night, but again, why? Because we're committed to seeing every generation grow. And then Alex just got done talking about it, and I have to be careful because when I start talking about bots or fall retreat, I can get real focused on this because this has been something I've done for a long time. And, And I'm just telling you, at... At the risk of just kind of, okay, if I can just be, just kind of talk to you as your pastor for a minute. You may go, well, this is my first time, Pastor Chris. You ain't my pastor yet. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of really just, I'm, I'm pushing in on that a little bit. We spend so much time and money getting our kids into so many other environments. Okay? And listen. Being an all-star volleyball player, football player, basketball player, baseball player, all the select stuff, you do all of that. That's all well and good, but I'm just gonna be real honest with you. That's not gonna get them into heaven. It's not gonna get that's not gonna impact their eternity. But when you get them in events and moments and experiences like this, this is why we're committed to doing things like this. Because it, when you see a generation that really gets this inside of them and they own the relationship with Jesus, because that's what you want. When they leave your house one day, you're going, did they get it, Lord? Did they get it? Did they? You want to know. They got it. They got it. And it's moments like this that help build that and fuel that. And what was amazing in our first service, there were some in here. They're nodding their head as I'm talking about this. And the reason was is because I remember when they were students in the student ministry, and now they're off at college, and they come back, and they serve and volunteer at moments like this. Do anything you can to get your teenager in these environments. If you need help, we will help you. Okay? We want to see lives impacted, this generation impacted, and we want to help partner with you as you're believing that for your kids. So, it's all about growing. It's about growing. And so you may be wondering, that's great. We're doing seeds and we're doing this, and what what about my kids? Cuz that's really what you're worried about. That's what you're thinking about. And I want you to know we intentionally have set up an avenue in which we ensure and we want to make sure that we're seeing our children and our teenagers and our young adults, they're experiencing and growing in this as well. This whole idea of seeds, it's really centered around, I mean, we believe and know, it's Jesus that transforms everyone, period. It's Jesus in our life that brings an impact. But here's what we've learned, it's what we fully believe, is that it's growth, though, that happens when you're in a group. You, you've heard me say, you know, get a guide, get in a group. You may be new. This is your first time today. And I know we don't like being late to the dance. You're like, man, I don't want to go. Oh, well, you know, they started small groups last week. I guess I won't go. There's like six more weeks. I mean, you're still early. Grab a guide. We still have them on your way out. It'll be to your left. Grab a guide. Get in a, I promise you there's a group for whatever season of life you're in. And I'm telling you, when you get in a group, something just happens happens, I was, I, I heard a story uh, of a uh, couple, they have been coming for quite some time, and they had not done, and look, I've done everything, and I know this couple well, I've done everything to get them in a small group, so finally, I'm like, get in a group, get in a group, so finally, they decided to go to a group, so they sign up, they go to a group, I had connected them with the, this small group leader, they show up, and the wife is telling me, they were, they were here at our first service, they were telling me, that we rang the doorbell, No one answered right away. And so we're like, oh, okay, we tried. They were literally going to (laughs) leave. They're like, all right, we did did the thing. We went all the way up to the door. No one answered right away. We are going to leave. They said we didn't leave. We went in, and they said we loved it. It was amazing. And here's what they said. We've lived here for about a year and a half, and this is what we need. We need relationships. We need relationships. And this is a way in which you can do that. So get in a group. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. It'll be an amazing time. We're looking at this principle seeds we've been looking starts in Genesis goes all the way through the Word of God and we begin to see this principle and this idea of what it looks like what does it mean for this principle of seed to really take root and, and what I want to look at today, you know, I'm, I'm excited about today because we've been looking at this aspect and this principle of seed, but today we're going to make it real practical and kind of break it down. What does it look like? How do we, we start looking at ways in which this seed is developed practically in our life? But what's also going to happen is that we're going to be confronted with a real challenge that we have with our own human nature, and it's this, we like bigger We want bigger blessings. We want bigger toys. We want bigger stuff. We want big, I mean, just think about it. If you're not from Texas and you moved to Texas, you know this. Everything is what? Bigger in Texas. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, bigger. Everything is bigger. The hats are bigger. The cars are bigger. The hair is bigger, right? The hair, I mean, it's just bigger. Everything's big. Tires are bigger. Everything, just bigger. But it doesn't just stop there. Gas stations are bigger. If you live out near Melissa Anna, you know what I'm talking about. Because this big bastion of hope called Bucky's opened up, and it's like it's like going to it's like a, it's an experience. If you've never been to a Bucky's, how I many you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you go in there, Bucky's, they got it all. This is like I tell my kids, like kids, you want to go to Bucky's? You would have thought I said Six Flags. It's like Cabela's meets a convenience store. I mean, it's the best of both worlds. It doesn't get better. I can get tackle and I can get a Diet Coke all at the same time. And if I'm feeling really romantic, I can get a gift from my wife, because you can buy, you can buy candles, you can buy clothes, you can buy decorations. you name it. Whatever you need, you can do it in there. Right there at Bucky's. Why? Because bigger is better. Everything bigger in Texas. And we like bigger. We like bigger blessings, like I said. We want bigger faith. I want big faith, right? I want bigger stuff. I want to live in a big world. I just want to have this experience. But I tell you what we don't like bigger, it's our problems. We don't want bigger problems. I'll take less of that. Less bigger problems, more bigger blessing, okay? That's not even proper English, but I'll take it, all right? We like bigger, but that's a challenge because what you begin to realize is the things when it comes to the kingdom of God They don't start bigger. Principles and aspects of the kingdom of God start small. They start small. So that that grates against our personality, our human nature that wants bigger, faster. I want bigger yesterday. I want it now. I want it now. Wait, wait, wait. It's got to start small and it's got to grow. Yes. And that's what Jesus has been talking about. I left you at Matthew 13. And we were looking at Matthew 13 and and this parable I was sharing with you about this parable of the seed and the sower. And it's actually a meta parable, which is essentially an example, a teaching on why and how Jesus is teaching. He's saying, let me explain to you what I'm saying. It's a parable about parables. And we talked last week and, and, we, and we looked at, okay, this principle of the seed and the soil and how we have to tend to it and our heart, our life is the soil and we have to understand is the soil of our life ready to receive the seeds, the seed of, of God's word, the seed of Jesus. Jesus is a seed. The Bible says that Jesus is a seed. We're going to look more at that in the coming weeks. The kingdom of God is a seed, is the soil of my life prepared and ready to receive that. But then he goes in to this parable about a mustard seed. And we look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. It says that he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, see, it starts small, but what happens? Put it in the right soil, it grows. When it grows, what happens? When it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Interesting is, as we read earlier in this chapter, the birds at one point came and stole the seed away when the the ground is packed and hard and the seed can't get into the soil to take root. Now, when a seed takes root and it grows, what begins to happen? It grows, and now it becomes a place where the birds begin to perch. So he's talking about this principle of the mustard seed, and it's unique because you start wondering, why mustard seed? Well, they, they didn't have microscopes. They didn't, they didn't, okay, let's study the amoeba and look, and we have this context of what really is small. So what he did is he took the thing that was the smallest thing that they could fathom. That was a mustard seed. I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed, but a mustard seed is small. It's not big. It's, it's, it's very small. And it's, in fact, just side note about mustard, it's actually not yellow, just so you know. That's like the dyes. It's actually like a brownish-gray color, okay? And, and when you think about mustard, I don't know about you. Are you mustard people or mayonnaise people? You know what I mean? I don't know. I, this is what I do know, though. People who are not mayonnaise people, they let you know they're not mayonnaise people. I mean, if you're like, would you like mayonnaise? Oh my God, what's wrong with you? It's disgusting. I mean, you would have thought that you just cussed at them. I mean, like, what happened? I mean, I'm be honest. Like, no mayo people, they get a little snooty about it. You know, just kind of snobbish touch. Mustard people, you're kind of like, yeah, man. If you like mayo, you're kind of like, you like mayo, you like mustard, you like ketchup. You kind of do the thing. You know, You're, you're okay with it. But if you're a no mayo person. I mean, Jesus, help them. You know, you get a little, you know, you get a little touchy about it. But mustard, why is he talking about mustard? Mustard, the smallest seed. And he's saying, I want you to understand something. I want you to get the fact that what I want to do in your life is going to start small. When, When you look at this mustard seed, look at that in comparison. That is what Jesus is saying. He's saying this right here is how it starts. This is how it begins. But that grates on us. Because how many of you in here going, yeah, that's how I want to start. No, you're like, big, big, I want bigger. I want Bucky size faith. I want Bucky size production. I want Bucky size. And Jesus is saying, you need mustard seed size. That's where we're going to start. That's what it looks like. I want you to open up your Bibles, Matthew 17. We're going to pick up. In verse 14, because remember, Jesus is talking about this seed, this mustard seed, this principle. And what he's really dialing into is in in Matthew 13, he's setting up this concept. This concept of seed and and sower, this, this aspect of the seed, the word, Jesus, the kingdom. And so it's this conceptual idea that we begin to wrap our brain around. We start embracing what he's trying to say here. But in verse 17, he shifts. And now what he does is he begins to take this seed principle and he ties it to the aspect and principle of faith. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is faith. You see, faith is so important because I really believe at a time now, if you've never experienced challenges in your life, things that you've had to walk through, you really don't understand sometimes. What it looks like to live in faith. The people that I see, man, they got big faith. More often than not, they've had big problems. And if they have a relationship with Jesus, that's why they have big faith. They know that no matter what's happening, what they've experienced, they keep leaning into God, and he's there. He's with them. He's for them. And so this faith, because we live in a culture now, because we want it big and we want it fast, to be honest, we have some underdeveloped faith. It's soft we, we, we hit against challenging times, and we, we back up and think, wow,, well, well, I don't know. I don't know who lied to us and said, when you give your life to Jesus, all of a sudden, everything's going to be easy. All of a sudden, all the challenges and problems you had in your marriage are going to magically go away. All the challenges that you've had with your children, they're just going to go away. All the hurt you experienced growing up from your parents is just going to go away. No, you're going to have to walk through it, but you can. And you can develop faith in that. That's what Jesus is saying. The reason it's so important is because he's saying, I want you to get this because you're going to need this. You're going to need this type of faith. And so when we look and we see and we recognize that that what what we're looking for is not getting rid of all the challenges in life. The hope for a turbulent world is not answers to all the problems that we see. It's the seed of faith in our life. That is the answer. And Jesus begins to unpack that. I'm going to give you just a little context before we dive into chapter 17 here. Jesus, at the beginning of this chapter, goes and there's this moment where he takes three disciples up with him to the top of this mountain. And there's a moment called the moment of transfiguration where Jesus is there, and and actually the disciples get to see him actually in his divine form, and it actually says that Moses and Elijah showed up on the scene, okay? So the disciples are there, and they're like, what is happening? This is amazing. I mean, this was like the best thing they've ever experienced, to the point where one of the disciples says, can we just live here? Can we just live here? And I think it's interesting how Jesus knows exactly where the disciples are at and begins to teach this principle because what are they experiencing? A mountaintop moment, right? We all understand what that means. We've seen that. Those mountaintop moments, they're amazing and they're incredible and they're life-changing. What do we do? We all go, can we just live here? But Jesus is going, this is a great moment, but real life is when you go down into the valley. And the question is not, do you have faith for the mountaintop moment? The question is, do you have faith to walk through the valley? Because you're going to come down that mountaintop moment and you're going to live life in the valley. And that's where so many of us, that's why I say there's a little bit of underdeveloped faith. Because we have that mountaintop moment. We have that experience with God. We we go to prepare, and we're like, man, I I fasted and I prayed. I met with Jesus. This is amazing. I just want to live here. Sunday morning church is great. Wow, awesome. Small group, awesome. I just want to live there. Then we get to real life, and it's all of a sudden, man, this ain't what I, this ain't all this cracked up to be. Like, hold on. Now, what's going on? And we have to have the faith to walk that out. You see, Jesus knew that. And he's saying, I want you to get this because you're going to need this because I'm not always going to be with you. I'm not always going to be here. I'm not always going to be the one that's driving this boat. You are going to have to learn what it looks like to live with faith. So they come down the mountain and they are met by this individual as a child who's sick. He's actually, the Bible actually says that he was tormented. And this is where we pick up Matthew 17, verse 14. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly, and he often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You see, there's a, there's a faith component here, and we're about to see Jesus about to unpack this, but I want you to understand something. You've got to get a principle here. I brought him to the disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Why? Because you can't give what you don't have. We're wondering why are we hitting roadblocks in our marriage, in our relationships, in our businesses with our kids? You can't transfer and give what you don't have. Now, make no mistake, grace to the disciples here. They're not perfect. And the other thing is this because this story isn't primarily about healing. No one heals anyone. It's really Jesus working in us when we come into a relationship with God and we understand the power and the working of Jesus and we surrender to him. We allow ourselves to be a conduit, if you would, then we are able to be in a place where God can work in and through us and we can be a help to other people. So it's not about any individual person healing anyone. So it goes on. He says, the disciples couldn't do it. Verse 17, you unbelieving and perverse generation. I mean, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, Jesus, are you a little upset? What's going on? Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? I mean, that's some strong language. Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private. Right? They're not looking to like make a scene. They're like, if we did something wrong, we want to know in private. And they say, why couldn't we drive it out? And I love what Jesus does here. Again, it was like last week. Those weren't my points that Jesus was talking about when you're evaluating soil of your life. That, that's Jesus talking. And he does it again here. He's preaching to us. Verse 20. Look at what he says. And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, here it is again. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, when Jesus is talking, listen, he's giving a contrast here. I want to help you understand this. This is not about having faith to go, mountain, move from here to there. Wow, mom, dad, watch this neat trick, mountain. Man, I got faith. That's not what it's about. What he's doing is he was taking the smallest thing that they could fathom. They're at the Sea of Galilee, and he's referring to the mountain that is behind them. And he's saying, if you had any faith, in fact, he is even saying, not only if you had any faith, you actually don't have any faith. You don't even have a little, because if you had just the smallest thing that you could fathom, faith the size of that mustard seed, you could have moved that mountain. So what's he telling him? He's basically saying, you don't have any faith at all. Man, Jesus, why is he so stirred up about it? You ever met someone who's passionate about something? You're like, man, sometimes you may think that on a Sunday morning. Like, Pastor Chris, are you mad? No, I'm excited. I'm passionate. Yeah, I get stirred up about stuff. But why? Because I want you to get it. I want you to grow. I want you to experience a life-giving, life-transformational relationship with Jesus and know that it's not about you attending on a Sunday morning, checking the box, doing some religious activity and duties, and then going off and trying to survive from Sunday afternoon until the next... Sunday morning, you can live this out if you even have faith the size of a mustard seed. That's it, that's what I want you to get, that's what I want you to know, that's how I want you to understand how real and tangible that it can be. And so, Jesus is saying the same thing. Why? He's saying the same thing because He is about to go and He's saying, You're gonna need this. You're going to need this faith to live out that life, the majority of your life that's in a valley. It's not to say you won't have mountaintop moments. But can you have faith that's the same on the mountain as it is in the valley? You see, that faith is so important. But doubt is not the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. You see, we all have fears. I'm not talking about like fear of snakes, although some of you, you're like, that's me. I'm not talking about fear of rats or, or, or cockroaches or spiders and all the things that you, these are not about phobias. This is about the real fears that we all experience. The fears you have about your kids, your finances, your marriage, your future. I don't know what your fear is. You walked in here and I promise you there's a fear that can be overwhelming and we live in a day and age where fear is rampant anxiety at an all-time high, not because of COVID-19 and a global pandemic. There's just more of, in 22 years of being in full-time ministry, loving, serving, and leading people, I have yet to see the amount of fear and anxiety that grips people. Wendy was on a conversation with someone last night, and it was like no matter what she said, she went, I mean, she was going to pray for her anyway, but no matter what she said to try and point her to Jesus, this lady's perspective was, but you don't understand the level of anxiety and fear I have which essentially means she doesn't understand how big her God is and how much his love is for her and how powerful the power and freedom in Jesus Christ, how she can access that and doesn't have to be tormented by fear and anxiety. It is that if you aren't filling your life with faith, this seed of faith, someone will fill that void. Something will fill that void, and I promise you, it'll be fear. It'll come in and overwhelm you, but you don't have to live that way. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what he's getting at. He's wanting us to understand that the answer, the antidote to the fear that we have is not a resolution to all the problems and situations that we're fearful of. It's the power of this seed of faith in our life. That is the antidote to it. That's it. But faith is not for like just some select group of people like some special super Christians. That's not who it's for. It's for all of us. So, so how does this work? Well, I, I want to help you in just a minute. I'm going to give you some practical things, but I want to help you understand how does faith work like a seed? How, how does it work in our life? Because we have to understand what faith is before we know how to develop it and grow it in our life. First is this. Faith is his nature. You understand his nature, God's nature. He is i love what deuteronomy 7 9 says therefore that the lord your god is god he is a faithful god a w tozer said this what comes in our minds when we think about god is the most important thing about us 36 times in the bible do you hear god is faithful god is faithful god is faithful. over and over and over and over god is faithful it is who he is So this is not about me just kind of rah, rah, get you excited, just persevere, willpower, suck it up, drive, push through. No, no, no. This is about a group of people who know, God, you are who you say you are, and I can trust that. Period. That's faith. That's what faith looks like. And that faith, and the ultimate aspect of God's faithfulness is the fact that there is a perfect God, and there was man. And there was a gap between a perfect God and man. And we could not get to God. So what happened? God made a way and he came to us. And he said his son Jesus who died on the cross for us. Who made a way for us to have a relationship with a perfect God. Which means that song we sang about, victory. That means we win and we win. I shared with you about Wendy's best friend dying of cancer. We prayed for her. We prayed for her as a church. Wendy and I prayed for her. Wendy spent a lot of time down there, spent time with her. And we knew she's either going to be healed or healed. Either healed here or healed on the other side of eternity. And at 1030 on Christmas Eve, she breathed her last breath and she was healed. She's with Jesus now. But that's what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. There's victory even in death. Why? Because he's faithful. That's a salvation, faith and understanding that God is who he says he is. But here's the second thing that we understand about faith. It's his word. He's reliable. He is reliable. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, faith comes to us. How does it come to us? through this word right here. And if we get this word in our heart and in our life, if that seed gets down in good soil, it's going to produce. That's a foregone conclusion. But if we would spend half of the time that we do listening to all the other stuff as we do to this word, we'd get rid of a lot of the fear and anxiety in our life. You see, because what we do is we gather all this information to validate opinions and perspectives that we have that maybe factual, but it's not the facts that set you free. It's the truth that sets you free. You don't have to fact check this book right here. It is the authority. It is the word of God. And it shows me he is reliable. And what begins to happen is at a certain point, I start being known more for what I'm against than what I'm for. It's because I'm looking to validate and try and find the opinions that allow me to feel as though what I'm trying to fight against is really worth fighting against. When in reality, faith says if you would just stand on what his word says, you can know. You don't have to validate with fact checking and information because you have the power of the word of God that is true and unchangeable and it transforms who we are. You see, he's reliable. His word is reliable. That's what faith is. Faith is this. It's his time. Uh, Faith looks like his time. You see, here's what I know about God and timing. It takes longer than you think. You ever been waiting and trusting in God for something and believing for God? It takes time. And we begin to realize that in those mountaintop moments, we feel like we have faith, but all of a sudden when the pressure comes... What's inside of us really comes out and we begin to determine and discover, do we really have faith to walk it out? Do we really have the faith to walk it out? And so we have so much fear and anxiety that people experience. And here's what we do. Jesus is saying, just take a step. Just take a step. All you got to do is take a step. We do our best. Let's put steps in front of you. Just keep taking steps of faith. Take a step. Take a step. Go to 101. Come to service. Go to 201. Go to 301. Go to a small group. Start serving. Whatever it is, just keep taking steps. You go, well, I've done all those things. I'm still afraid. I'm still anxious. Okay, do it again. Keep doing it. Keep taking steps. You see, we want fast and big. And Jesus is saying, small and slow. And we don't like that. We don't like that. I don't like that. I mean, maybe you do. I don't know. I don't. Mustard seed faith, take a long time. No, no, no. I want big faith and I want it yesterday. I want to dominate, I want to win. But it takes time. Just keep taking steps. And what happens is we think, well, I did just a little bit. How come it didn't work? Man, I came to prepare, Pastor. I just started coming in June. I came to prepare. I just started coming last month. I started coming in November. You said, come to prepare. You said, fast for three days. I fasted for three days. I don't feel like I got more of Jesus. I felt more mad. I was hungry. I was mad. I didn't know what to do with myself. What's going on? Keep taking steps. It's not about the things you do. It's about the steps you take. So as you keep taking steps, you begin to realize, okay, God, you're working, and you move, and it's more than just doing just a little bit to get by. I'm going to keep pursuing you. But here's the last thing. Here's what faith looks like. It's our response. You've got to believe and act. You see, there's a response to faith. I think what's happened is oftentimes we've misinterpreted attendance for activity. Oh, I attended service. I attended small group. I attended here. I attended there. No, no. There's activity. There's got to be action that you put towards it. There's got to be things that you begin to do and you begin to move. And you're going, I want to grow and develop faith. But you don't ever put any action to it. You don't ever actually do anything. You don't ever actually take steps. And when the pressure comes, you don't keep taking steps. You back up. less. Didn't work like I wanted. But Jesus is saying, you can develop a faith that can help guide you through every circumstance and situation. The resolution is not in not having challenges. The resolution is knowing my trust and my hope is in him. My trust and my hope is in him. So, so what do we do? How do, how do we do that? Okay, this is, this is the basics. As you look at God's Word, this is pretty much it. Real simple. He's reliable. It's His nature. It's going to take time. It demands a response. But how do we grow this? We're like, all right, I like this, Pastor Chris. This is all well and good, but how do I actually grow faith in my life? Well, what does that look like? How do I accomplish those things? Now I know what it is, but how do I actually grow that? Well, I want to give you just real quickly three simple things I think they're gonna help you grow your faith. First is this we have to understand big always starts small. Big starts small. If you see someone with big faith and they're trusting in God and God's moving in their life, I promise you they've been doing the little things behind the scenes that no one sees. Little things. I talk to young people, young leaders. I got big destiny. I got big, I got big faith. Good, go have big discipline. Do what you said you were going to do. I asked you to do X, Y, and Z, and you still haven't done it. Good, have have big discipline. Go clean your car. (laughs) You want to be entrusted with a group of people, but you can't keep your car clean. Mom and dad's in here. You're like, man, my kid came to me. I got big faith. I got big dream. I got big hope and dream. Good. Go have a big cleaning section in your room because, man, I tell you what, it's a mess in there, right? It's like, man, okay, but it starts small. Big. start small start with the little things the integrity of doing what you need to do when you need to do it start with the little things and I promise you you see people with big faith they've been doing the little things along the way and as they've been doing the little things it brings about big faith in their life it brings about big aspects in their life it's them doing the small things behind the scenes they're the ones that you look at and go I see the fruit in their life here's the second thing is we have to understand that we expect to get more of what we water. You see, faith is contagious. You've been around people that have faith. I, they're full of hope, and, and they're, they're trusting God. They're excited. They're can-do people. You ever been around people with big faith? Been around people that's like, man, they just, they're just they different. They pray different. They see it differently. They're like, I need more of that. Come pray for me. Pray for now, You can have that same level of faith. Look at who you're surrounded by. If you're constantly around people just negative, negative, pulling you down, it's not about negative and positivity. But if you're surrounding yourself around people just always negative, then it begins to affect you. So what you water will grow. Who's watering those things? We all need people that are going to be honest with us. Hey, I hear you. You're upset. You didn't hit the mark. You Okay, now let's see where God's working. Let's see what he's doing. Let's not worry about what we don't know. Let's be grateful for what we do know, and let's start moving forward. You see, you're going to get more of what you water, and if you're watering faith in your life, if you're watering that seed and that principle, that's what you're going to get. That's what it's going to produce in you, and that's what you're going to be around, because that's what you're looking for in your life. You will get more of what you water. Are you watering faith in your life? Or are you watering fear? What is it? You see, the seed requires watering or else it won't grow. You've got to put that action to it. James chapter 2, verse 17, it says, In the same way, faith by itself is not, if, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. There's actually a German study called the forgetting curve. It says this. It's pretty simple. It says that if you learn something and don't apply it within six days, you'll forget it. How many times do we come in here and go, ah, oh, I did my duty. Boop, checkbox, came to service. Man, you know, Pastor Chris, he did good today. He did okay. He was kind of funny. He was a little stirred up. He was terrible. Oh, okay, that was great. Oh, thank you. And you leave feeling real good. But did you apply it? Because if you don't, You've already forgotten it by the time you get back here next Sunday. It's a scientific principle. They've been using that study for 50 years. If you learn something and don't apply it within six days, you'll forget it. Quickest way, take what God shows you and what you learn and put it into action that very day. Just do a little thing because it starts small. Well, you know, I, I want to get this right, and I want to get that. No, no, no. You're thinking i got to start big. You're thinking you got to have it all figured out. That's not even how Jesus operates with us when it comes to our relationship with Him and surrendering our life to Him. Just come as you are. You don't have to clean yourself up first. It's the same principle. Just start small. Little bit. Little bit. And then the last is this. Probably one of the most important things is we have to realize faith grows in the right environments. Faith grows in the right environments. If something, if a plant is dying and the environment's in, you take it out, you put it in a different environment. What environment are you in? What are you doing to cultivate an atmosphere, an environment of faith, to build faith in your life? You see, we get so busy and what ends up happening is we, we calendar ourselves out of environments that are going to help build our faith. All sorts of things, demanding for our time, vying for our time. And what begins to happen is you put all of that energy into other things. You put all of that energy and all of that time into things that aren't going to help create the right environment for you to grow faith. You see, as I've met with people, counseled people, pastored people, led people, probably the most painful thing I see that people experience is when they realize and recognize they haven't transferred their faith. One because they actually didn't have a depth of faith like they thought they had. But two because they didn't take the time to actually transfer what they did have. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. He says examine yourself to see whether you whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Test yourselves. Test yourselves. Test and see, are you creating the right environment? For those of you that have young families or those of you with teenagers, because it's not too late, make sure you're planting the seeds of faith in the garden that you'll actually care about in 20 years. Make sure you're planting and you're transferring the seeds, because divine inheritance isn't all the stuff, all the toys and all the money. Divine inheritance is a faith that your children are going to have, that they know that when they're on that mountaintop, God, you're good. I've got faith. But when they come down and they start living everyday life in that valley, God, I trust you. You're good. You see, that's what we really want. But it just takes you taking a step of faith. Just keep taking steps. That small group I told you about last week, meeting out in uh, Little Elm and Aubrey, I can remember meeting with Gus and Carla. That's Gus and Carla's small group. And they used to live in Princeton. Then they went to the other side of, you know, and, and they're like, Pastor Chris, you know, we're moving out here, but we're still, we're all in, we're so excited. And I remember we started talking about seed small groups and what they were gonna do. And I said, Man, just why don't you just reach your neighborhood? Just reach your neighborhood. Okay, you know, and they, they started like, what are we going to do, how are we going to do it? And so she started, you know, she's working that Facebook. Man, she's good now. She's sending it out, and all of a sudden, families start emailing. People she don't even know, they're just like, okay, we're coming, we're doing this. And I can remember sitting down last week, Wendy and I, meeting with them and talking with them, and they they were sharing with us. We don't we didn't, we didn't even really see ourselves that way, like outgoing, and I promise you, if you haven't yet, they'll probably be one of the first couples that doesn't have like a silver you know, name badge on that shows that they work here that's going to meet you and introduce themselves to you because they're probably some of the most outgoing people, but they would say, we never saw ourselves that way. And I remember them sharing, this is what we feel like God's doing. And she said this phrase, she said, I just wanted to be obedient and just step out. What was she doing? Stepping out in faith. Wendy got this picture last, Thinking maybe it was Sunday night or Monday night, this is a small group. This is part of Carla and Gus's small group. And you know what's amazing about this? None of those people have any idea what Milestone Church is. <laughs> they just showed up because someone took a little step of faith and said, "Y'all want to come to a Bible study at my house?" You don't know me, but y'all want to come over? And I don't know the stories, the God stories that are going to come out of these families. I can't wait to meet them. But what I do know is, these are seeds of faith being planted. And what I do know is there were seeds of faith being planted by Gus and Carla going, we're going to step out in faith. We don't know if we can do this. We're just going to take a little step. We're just going to take a little step. And watch what might happen in these families because someone is willing to step out in faith. You have that same faith. You can operate in that same faith.